Some Sifrei Torah are read from three, four times a week. Some are read only on Shabbos. Some Sifrei Torah only are read on special occasions, maybe Hanukkah, Rosh Chodesh, Chagim. And there's some Sifrei Torah that sit in the Aaron Kodesh untouched. Once a year in Simchas Torah, they'll take them out and dance with them, but almost never open. And Chazal tell us that even a Sefer Torah needs a mazel, because even a Sefer Torah is not necessarily going to be read as often as another one. And I believe that this is a fine parable. Even a mitzvah needs a mazel. There's some mitzvahs that are extremely popular. I don't think we can even imagine what it's like to have Pesach without matzah, sukkahs without a sukkah, Hanukkah without, uh, <clears throat> without candles. But yet there are some mitzvahs that are very, very unpopular. And maybe amongst the least popular of all the mitzvahs is, as Mishabura brings in Simen Kufnan Vov, Valachta Bedurachav, to go in the ways of Hashem. There's a mitzvah, Asay Minatora, to be Domet Hashem, for us to make ourselves like Hashem. And Chazal explained to us what that means, to be like Hashem in His good actions, and the beautiful Midos, she is saw Abraham that a person should be acclaimed with. Meaning, to learn to be kindly, good, giving, forgiving. Just like Hashem is merciful, so too you need to learn to be merciful. This is a distinct mitzvah Torah, to work on my Midos, to work on my character traits, to be kinder, more forgiving, a nicer guy. And, ironically, it is central to so much of our Avodah Hashem, and yet it's almost forgotten. The linchpin, the pivot of all Midos, is humility. And, ironically, of all the Midos, it's probably the least worked on. And I'd like to share with you why I believe this is. You see, <clears throat> the Midah of humility is probably the least understood and it's the one that's so difficult to work on, because if you don't know what it is, you certainly can't work on it, and even more than that. Who wants to think of myself as nothing? I want to think of myself as successful. I want to think of myself as a, an accomplished person. Who wants to think of myself as nothing and a garnet? And I believe that that is a fundamental misunderstanding of the mida of humility. And what I like to do is take a little tour a little basic understanding of this Midah, what it is, how it functions, and how one can acquire it. So let's begin with the following. Moshe Rabbeinu was given the task of bringing down the Torah to B'nai Adam, the greatest covered, and the greatest honor. He was to go to Shemayim and receive the Torah and then write it down. And the Torah that we have today was received by Moshe Rabbeinu on our Sinai, written down by him. Needless to say, Moshe Rabbeinu was an accurate scribe and was very, very meticulous in every os. Their entire mesechtas that are learned out from one extra letter in a word. Every word of the Torah is exact. Every word has tremendous lessons. And Moshe Rabbeinu was an incredibly accurate and careful scribe, with one exception. There's one pasuk in the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu changed. Not changed actual letters, or words, but if you look in any Sefer Torah, the word Vayikra, the first word in the Parsha, <coughs> Vayikra, the first word in the Sefer Vayikra, the Aleph is written small. The last letter is written much smaller than the rest. 
And the Balaturim explains to us why is Vayikra always appear with a small aleph? Because Hashem said to Moshe, I want to call you out. See, already the Klai had received the Torah, and we're in the Midbar, the Olmoid was built, and Hashem called from the Olmoid, Vayikra Hashem, and Moshe Hashem called out to Moshe. And when Hashem told Moshe to write that, Moshe Benah said, no, it's too much covered. What am, who am I to be singled out? Who am I to be called out? I'd rather write Vayikar, the way Hashem refers to Bilam. And when Bilam got a Nevoah, it was just an occurrence, like a random occurrence. It just happens to be that Hashem appeared. Says Moshe Benah, I want to write the word Vayikar without an Aleph. It's too, too arrogant, too much honor to write. Hashem called me out. Hashem said, no, write it with the Aleph. <clears throat> Moshe Benah said, I don't want to do it. Hashem said, do it. Moshe Benah said, fine, I'll do it, but I'm going to do it under protest. I'm going to make the Aleph smaller. And in fact, Moshe Benah wrote the Aleph smaller, and we have a Masorah to this day that we write the Aleph and Vayikra smaller than the rest of the Osios in the Sefer Torah. Now, this is a very interesting example of humility. And again, the Baal Turman says it's his extreme humility. But I'd like to ask you a very obvious question on this Balaturin. A humble man listens to his creator. The creator of the heavens and the earth said, write the word Vayikra. Moshe says, no, I want to write Vayikra. Shem says, no, 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 you have to write it. This is the way to do it. Moshe says, I don't want to do it. Shem says, do it. Moshe says, okay, I'll do it, but under protest, I'll write the letter small. That's not humble. A humble man listens to his creator. A humble man obeys Hashem. This doesn't sound like an example of humility. If anything, it sounds like arrogance. How does the Balaturim tell us that this was out of his extreme humility and in fact is an example of the greatness of Moshe? And I believe the answer to this question is fundamentally predicated on understanding what humility is. And you see, I think the reason why, again, it's so difficult to work on humility is if you ask the average person, Ask the average person you know to define humility. What does it mean? They'll tell you, well, it means don't brag, don't be a show-off, don't be arrogant, um, right? That's, that's what it means, right? <laughs> but that's not what it means. Those might be manifestations of arrogance, but what does humility mean? And the first reason why, again, it's very difficult to work on humility is if you don't know what it is, you can't exactly work on it. But the second reason is because... We don't understand it. I don't want to feel like a loser. I want to feel successful. And humble people are losers. And they're just meek, timid mice. And I don't want to be like that. And I believe this is a fundamental misunderstanding. But if you'd like to understand how much we misunderstand what the meat of humility is, let me ask you the most overt, obvious contradiction that you could ever imagine. The Medrash tells us that in order of creation, Adam was last. First, Hashem made everything, and the heavens, the stars, the sun, the moon. Hashem created all the animals in creation, all the vegetation, everything was ready, and at the last moment, then Hashem created Adam. Why? The Medjid explains, much like if one invites a person to a banquet. First, what do you do? You prepare the food. Then you lay out the table. You set it. You lay out the glassware. You chill the dishes, chill the drink. When everything is all ready, then you invite the guest in to the elaborate meal. Explains the Medrash, that's exactly the point. Shem created everything for Adam. The purpose of creation was man. Everything in creation was brought into creation for man's purpose. 
and therefore everything had to be prepared, everything ready for man. Light and darkness, atoms, molecules, quarks, the laws governing physicality, gravity, quantum mechanics, the sun, the moon, everything creation, and then at the last moment, the purpose of it all, Adam Arishon. And I often wonder what it was like to be Adam Arishon. Keep in mind, Adam Arishon was not born a child. Fully mature, fully cognizant, an adult, he opens his eyes and sees a world. A world replete with wonder. A world full. A beautiful, incredible world. And because he was Hashem's handcraft, he was brilliant. He understood everything. He understood Hashem as much as a human being can. He understood the world. And he came with a fully loaded Wikipedia. His entire brain was filled with knowledge. And he understood that everything in creation was brought into creation for him and him alone. He understood that he was the guest. He knew that the purpose of it all was him. Every animal in creation bowed down to Adam with a fear, with a trepidation, with a respect. Every one of them bowed down to the greatness of man. But if you'd like to understand the real Pella here, let me share with you a medrash that's very, very eye-opening. Hashem takes Adam Arishan around to all of the trees in Gan Eden. And Hashem says, look at this world. Look at the beauty. Look at the vastness. Look at the harmonious systems. I created it for you. Pay attention. Be careful that you don't destroy my world. Now what does this measure mean? Do you think Hashem was saying, don't take an axe and chop down the trees? And don't be ecologically unsound. Mesut Sharm explains to us what Hashem was saying was far more fundamental. Everything in the physical world has a spiritual counterpart. What we see as the world that we live in is but the tip of the iceberg. Because everything in the physical world has a spiritual underpinning, a spiritual undergrowth to it. And it's a spiritual dimension that keeps everything in the physical world alive. What Hashem was saying to Adam Rishon was, the world is dependent on you. If you use the world properly, you'll elevate it. You'll give it tchios, you'll give it strength. If you misuse it, you're going to destroy it. The spiritual dimension of the world is put into your hands. If you use it properly, it will become elevated. If you misuse it, it will become destroyed. Hashem gave the keys of my separations to Adam Rishon. Do you understand the importance of that man? He opens his eyes and sees the world and knows that it was all for him. All the animals bow down in loyal homage to him. He knows that it's for him. And more than that, Hashem tells him, you are the pivot of everything in existence. Use it right and it'll be elevated. Use it wrong and it's going to be destroyed. Here's my question. Could Adam Arishon possibly be humble? Could he possibly be a humble man? Well, wait a minute. You hear the expression, the guy thinks he's the center of the universe. He thinks he's the reason for creation. Well, Adam Rishon knew it. He knew it factually to be true. He was the center of creation. He was the reason for it. How could a man like that be humble? And I believe when we understand humility, we'll understand how it's possible for Adam Rishon to be humble. 
And let's listen to how the Mitzvah Shisharim defines the Midah of Anova. A person shouldn't think that he's chashev for any reason whatsoever. But explains Mitzvah Shisharim, how does the person come to that thought? Because he has to realize, Ain at the of a covered ruin low. Praise and honor are not due to me. I'm not <clears throat> praiseworthy. There's nothing that I've done that makes me praiseworthy. The praise and the honor is due to me. Koshkin, surely not being above anyone else. And I'd like to share with you why that is the essence of humility. You see, <clears throat> what makes me worthy of praise? For instance, <clears throat> let's assume I'm a brilliant person. Let's assume I have a wonderful voice. Let's assume I'm rich. Let's assume I'm a very talented individual. Does that make me worthy of praise? Well, let's look at it. Did I create this body? You know, there's a liver, a kidney, a pancreas. Did I, did I exactly make it? I'm an w- incredible piano player. I could play <clears throat> concerts. It's un- unbelievable. Did I create my fingers? There are 48 muscles in the forearm, and the dexterity is incredible. I didn't make it. My fingertips can sense incredible sensitivities, hot and cold, smooth and rough, soft and hard, but I did not make them. But look how articulate I am. I'm so well-spoken. That's true. There are 98 muscles in the face. And just watch Rahman al-Sah when a man has belt palsy and he can't move his lips or his cheeks. I have sight. Look at my brilliant sight. Yes, I didn't create the lens or the iris or the retina or the optic nerve. And if you think about one single cognition, all of arrogance is taking credit for something that I don't deserve. I didn't make this body. I didn't make this mind. I didn't make these hands. Whatever talent I have, whatever great abilities I have, I was given. And if you fundamentally like to understand what this means, I'll give you a simple muscle. Imagine you come to a large, large construction site. And in the center of the site, you see this crane. Crane picks up tons and tons of dirt, moves it from one side to the other, rocks, dirt, all day long, picking up tons and tons of rocks and dirt, moving back and forth. Inside the crane, you see Joe, the crane operator. Joe has got a pot belly, chain smoking, and, and during a break, one of his friends comes over and says, Joe, look at you, 80 pounds overweight, you're chain smoking. Joe, you got to get to the gym, you got to work out. Joe turns to his friend and says, me work out? <laughs> what do you think I do all day? I lift heavy load, tons and tons of dirt back and forth. I don't got to go to the gym. I lift all day. His friend says, Joe, that's the crane. You're the little you're the guy inside operating the crane. That, I believe, is a perfect muscle to humility. When I walk in the room, I'm supposed to recognize that I was created in the image of Hashem. I was put into this crane. And this crane is mighty. This crane is powerful. It can do tremendous things. My words, my speech, my actions. But I didn't make it. I'm the little guy inside. I tell the arms and legs to move. And I tell the lips to do, say what they're going to say. But I didn't make this crane. The crane is mighty. I'm Joe, the little crane operator. I'm the little guy inside moving the levers. And when you get that, you understand that both realities are cor- Correct. When Adam Arishan opened his eyes, he understood everything in creation was made for him. And he understood that he was a pivot. And he understood that his actions were so impactful that literally life would happen or not 
based on what he did. So he's sent to the universe. He's worthy of praise? No. I didn't make this body. I didn't put myself here. Hashem gifted me. Hashem gave me this opportunity. I'm Joe the crane operator. <clears throat> I move this crane. So you mean I'm nobody, I'm nothing? No. I move this crane, and this crane does incredible things. But I didn't make it. I'm not worthy of praise. The crane might be worthy of praise, but I'm the crane operator. I didn't make the crane. And when you understand this, you begin to understand what humility is. You see, if your name is Bill Gates and you say, I'm a poor man, that's not humility, that's stupidity. Humility doesn't mean denying your talents. That's called being delusional. If I was granted intelligence or beauty or grace, charm, success, whatever it may be, to deny it would be utter, utter folly, because it's not true. To take credit for it is arrogant. To take credit, I am the rich guy. I'm brilliant. You know how smart I am? One second. If it's true that I am smart, if it's accurate, that's an accurate assessment. So therefore I'm worthy of praise because I'm brilliant. Well, one second, fellow. You know how to shape the brain? You know how to weave the hundred billion neurons of the brain? You know how to form that? Not exactly. I'm the little guy inside. I was put into this body, given this grand opportunity to grow, to accomplish, to do tremendous things. So the crane certainly is worthy of honor, but I'm the little guy inside. And this dichotomy is the great secret of humility. I'm supposed to recognize my talents, recognize my abilities. An accurate assessment of who I am is fundamental to success in any endeavor in life. And yet I'm supposed to recognize that these talents, these gifts were given to me. There's no praise coming to me for it, no honor coming to me. I was gifted with it. I have a tremendous opportunity. What I could do is incredible. But at the same time, there's not a sense in my heart that I'm worthy of praise. I'm not a special person. I'm not worthy of honor. I'm just a creation. I'm Hashem's creation standing here. And when you understand this, you're able to understand Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was charged with bringing down the Torah to Adam. Moshe Rabbeinu was charged with writing the Torah. But he wasn't just a scribe. He was given the capacity to be the one to understand and give over the transmission. And with that transmission came a tremendous, tremendous responsibility. Do it in a way that you're supposed to. But Moshe Rabbeinu was given tremendous, tremendous leverage. And there were certain things he was allowed to do. When Hashem said, write Vayikra, Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, it's too much honor. Hashem said, write it anyway. Moshe said, no, you gave me this position. You allow me certain latitude. I don't want that much honor. I want to write it small. And in fact, Hashem agreed. And what Moshe Rabbeinu did was correct. This is an example of towering humility. A man who understood the gravity of his position. A man who understood exactly the opportunity that he was given and at the same time remain so humble. I don't want the honor. I don't want people knowing why Hashem calls me out. And what he did was proper, correct. And this is an exactly an example of humility. And as I said a moment ago, humility is probably the single mis- most misunderstood midah. Ask people what anger is, what jealousy is, and they might be able to define it. But be humble is much more difficult to understand. And let me make it very clear. If you find a Bowery bum, 
A guy who sleeps in the street. A guy who never changes clothes, never washes. A guy who just lays in the street getting drunk. You're not looking at a humble man. What do you mean he's not humble? Look, he's not caught up in how he dresses. He's not even concerned about how he looks. He's not even concerned about how he smells. So obviously he's very humble. That's not called humility. That's shifla sa'adam. That's not recognizing who you are. Humility begins after you understand your God-given talents. Humility begins after you understand the great opportunity that Hashem gave you. Hashem gave me talents and abilities. Hashem is going to help me succeed. And at the end of the day, I could do tremendous, tremendous things. So I'm worthy of honor and praise? No. I'm Joe the crane operator. I'm the little guy inside. I didn't create these arms, this head, these lips. I didn't make this thing called me. If I move the levers, I'm given credit. That's a special, special favor that Hashem grants us. That even though I did nothing, and I'm credited with the results, even though I used Hashem's crane, and even though everything is Hashem's world, I'm credited as if I did it, but I did nothing. I didn't make the crane. I'm not worthy of honor. I'm not worthy of praise. I'm but a simple, regular person. And because this is such a difficult concept to really grasp, let's spend a minute or two understanding the difference between a poor self-image and humility. Typically, people misunderstand the two. And they look at a person and say, he has to be meek and timid and be a very, very a mouse. And that's obviously humility, right? That's not humility at all. And if you'd like to understand the difference between a poor self-image and humility, I'll give you a very simple example. Imagine I'm riding a horse, and I'm riding a thoroughbred. It's a powerful horse. It's a champion. It's an incredible, credible breed. And you right next to me are also riding a horse. But your horse is an old and decrepit mare, and we're going along the trail, and I look at your horse, and I say, wow, what a mighty horse. What a powerful horse. My horse is so insignificant compared to yours. I'm nobody, nothing. That's an example of a poor self-image. Because it's inaccurate. It's not correct. I'm riding a thoroughbred. You're riding an old mare. And I need to recognize the power of this horse. Would you like to know what arrogance is? Arrogance is when I say, I'm mighty, I'm powerful, because I'm riding this horse. Well, fella, wake up. I didn't make the horse, and I'm not the horse. I'm riding the horse. And the horse can gallop at a tremendous pace. The horse is very powerful, but I'm not the horse. I'm the guy riding the horse. And the poor self-image is when I deny that my horse is powerful. Arrogance is when I think of me as the horse. Look how powerful I am. Look how fast I am. And if you don't know what I mean, just give the keys of your car to a teenager. Watch a teenage boy get behind the wheel of a car. Vroom, vroom, <laughs> I am powerful. I am mighty. I am fast. Fellow, no, you're not. You're driving a vehicle. You're driving a car. The car may have 200, 300 horsepower. That's very impressive. But you're the guy driving the car. Now, you can get places very fast. And if you do it well, you can accomplish great things. But you are not the horse. You're not the car. You're the guy driving the car. And when you understand that, you understand that you have talents, you have abilities, you have things that you have, but they were granted to you. Let me take an example. Imagine you have a very attractive young woman, and she looks in the mirror, and she says, I'm gorgeous. I'm just gorgeous. That's called arrogance. 
If she looks in the mirror and says, I'm ugly, that's called delusion. She's supposed to look in the mirror and say, Hashem granted me beauty. That's a gift, a wonderful gift. Hopefully I'll use it appropriately, I'll use it properly, but it's a gift from Hashem. If I have a beautiful voice, 20,000 people come to hear me. My name is Ishai Rebo, and they pay $50 to hear me sing. I fill this, the stadium. Wow, look at the great singer I am. Look who I am. That's called arrogance. For me to say I don't know how to sing, I don't know how to write a song, is called stupidity. I'm supposed to recognize that I have talent on loan from God. Hashem gave me this great talent, I can write music. Hashem gave me this great talent, I can sing. Hashem gave me this great talent, I can learn, I can speak, I can do many things. That's great, that's fantastic. But it was granted to me, given to me. How much honor is due to me? Nothing. I didn't make the horse, I didn't make the car, I didn't weave the skin on my face, I didn't create the vocal cords, but I'm a great singer. Hashem granted me a tremendous gift. As long as I remember that this is a gift granted to me from Hashem, talent alone from God, there's no arrogance there. I recognize the gift. I see it for what it is, and yet I remain the humble person inside. Why? Because I recognize it doesn't define me. I'm not the horse. I'm the guy riding the horse. I was put into this body, given a few short years to accomplish to do Now this crane is mighty. It can do tremendous things. It can change the world. So I'm deserving of honor. I'm a chashav guy, right? Wrong. I may be credited with the results, but that's not due to me. Hashem created the body. Hashem created my mind. It's Hashem's world. It's talent unknown from God. And very telling, the Mesilla Sharm explains that this concept is life-changing. If we could ever get this concept... It would totally reverse our entire perspective. And he explains why. He says, imagine you have a poor man. And every day, the poor man comes to the rich guy, and the rich guy gives him a large sum of money. Each day, each day the poor man comes to the door, and each, man, each day the rich guy gives him a large sum of money. The larger the gift, the more appreciative and the more humble the poor man's going to be. The poor man recognizes he doesn't have the money. It's granted to him from the rich man. And he needs it every day. And if today he doesn't get it, it's going to be gone. The larger the gift, the more humble he is. Explains Mrs. Sharm, the more gifts we have, the more we have to recognize they come from Hashem. And the more talented I have, the more ability I have. I have millions of dollars, I'm a rich guy. Granted, it's very impressive. Do you know how to mint money? You're a successful businessman. You think it's your wisdom? When you recognize I'm not the businessman, I'm the guy inside, I'm not green and crumply, I'm not money, I'm the person. Hashem granted me gifts and talents, those are all granted to me. Talent on loan from God, situations on loan from God. And when you understand that, there's no arrogance. There's a sense of humility, I'm a humble servant of Hashem, no honor, no praise is due to me. And most of these situations aren't that difficult to deal with. But what about when I built something? What if I took my company from a tiny little shoestring and I built it up and it became a huge success and now I'm a wealthy individual and I did it. It's my talent. I used my head. I put my hard work in for 20 years. I labored and I worked and I created an empire. Surely then I'm worthy of honor so I'd like to share with you an interesting observation. <clears throat> One of the wealthiest men in our generation is Bill Gates. 
Bill Gates was not born rich. <clears throat> Bill Gates dropped out of college in second year <clears throat> school. He started Microsoft, and he built it into one of the largest corporations in existence today. At a certain point, <clears throat> there were 20,000 full-time employees working for Microsoft, and even now it's not far from that. Now, <clears throat> imagine that you are Bill Gates. How can you not have a sense of arrogance? Look what I built, Microsoft. Every computer runs on my operating system. I changed the world, and now I'm involved in philanthropy. I am Bill Gates. Do you know who I am? How could such a person remain humble? Those aren't just talents given to him. It's not that he sings well. It's not that he's very attractive. It's not that he's so smart. He built it. Surely then he's worthy of honor. Let's look at that for a moment. On July 21st, 1969, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. This was a dream of years and years, decades. A man had dreamt of sending a man to the moon for probably millennium. And Neil Armstrong took the first steps on the moon, and he said these words, That's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Okay, tremendous accomplishment, a milestone, historic event. Okay. Now imagine it's a few months later, and there's a luncheon held in honor of Neil Armstrong, and the MC introduces him and says, Ladies and gentlemen, I have the great privilege to introduce the man, the great man, the single individual who alone did that which generation of men couldn't do. This man alone accomplished it. And this man alone did what everyone dreamt of doing. He alone flew to the moon, walked on it, and came back. I give you the great Neil Armstrong. I have to imagine that Neil Armstrong would take offense at what you just said. Because he wasn't the one great individual who flew to the moon and back. Ten years earlier, President Kennedy set an ambitious goal. We will land a man on the moon by the end of the decade and bring him back alive. And an entire generation focused their energies, their purpose, and their mission on bringing that to fruition. You see, Neil Armstrong doesn't really know that much about meteorology. He doesn't know how to form jet fuel. He doesn't really know much about transistors and capacitors. He doesn't really know much about programming. It took a generation of men all focused, the greatest names in science, the greatest minds all contributing all bringing together to create that rocket ship and guide it. But more than that, it was one generation built on generations and generations of generations of knowledge, starting with the Wright brothers back in the early 1900s. Starting back then with them learning how to fly, every generation, every decade added new wisdom, but even that began after an entire history of mankind uncovering and discovering things. It is true that Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. It is not true that he did it alone. An entire world, an entire history of mankind brought him to that point. So, so is there any credit? No credit due to him? He didn't do anything? Oh, no, he did something. He was the one who was fortunate to be in that position. Did he do it alone? He sure didn't. And when you recognize this, you understand what arrogance is. Arrogance is sheker. Arrogance is a lie. Arrogance is taking credit for that which is not credited to me. Taking credit for my voice, for my mind, for my beauty, my charisma. I am a rich guy. I'm a smart guy. I. It's all about me. I get credit for it. 
That's arrogance and it's sheker, it's a lie. If I recognize that I have talent on loan from Hashem, I remain a humble person. A humble person is recognizing there's no honor due to me, I'm but the creation, I'm the one inside, I'm Joe the crane operator. Arrogance is the sense of to me is due credit. Honor is due to me, because look what I've done, look what I've accomplished. And the reason why it's sheker is because when you cut through the smoke, you realize there's no credit due to me. Neil Armstrong did not fly to the moon alone, and I did not build my company alone. I had a tremendous amount of help, and it took tremendous amount of people. And if you'd like to see what I'm referring to, let me share with you a very fascinating interview of Bill Gates. And Bill Gates was on a Larry King show, and this was when Bill Gates was at the height of his wealth, and and. Larry King was just astonished. He said, it's amazing, you were, you were a college dropout, and now you're the wealthiest man in the world. It's just amazing what you've done. And Bill Gates said, Larry, I was in the right place at the right time, and luck had a lot to do with it. Pretty humble. But Larry, I want you to know, he goes on to say, there were a lot of other people in the right place also. There was one difference. I had a vision. I saw the potential and I had the vision. But, he goes on to say, Larry, there were a lot of people in the same place. And a lot of people who saw that vision also. And the big difference was, I took massive and immediate action. And with that, I believe he defined very well his success. He did not build a mediocre kind of company. He built the world-class empire called Microsoft. But he realized the why behind it. He was the right guy in the right time. He saw the vision, and he stepped forward. So how much credit is brought to him? It took 20,000 people. It took an industry. and took a world to bring him. So what credit is due to him? Very, very little. But he is the recipient of the results. He is the owner of the company, and I believe that well defines how a human being is supposed to view themselves. If I accomplish something... Baruch Hashem, that Hashem gave me this opportunity, put the right people in place, and put all the right circumstances there. Hashem put me at this moment. By the way, had Bill Gates been born 20 years earlier, or 20 years later, he'd be a high school science teacher wearing brown sweaters and brown shoes. He happened to be in the right man in the right place, and saw the vision, and then capitalized. So what credit comes to him? He took massive and immediate action. For that, he's credited. But the building of it, the success, is not him. He gets the results because Hashem put him there. And he's lucky enough to be there. But the bottom line is, all of the success, the 20,000 employees, and the entire market that was created, and everything that happened was orchestrated out of him. Sheker, the lie of arrogance, is where I take credit for it all. I take credit for my voice, my intelligence, my brilliance. I take credit for the world. I take credit for my company. It was my wisdom, my success. No one else gets credit because it's all due to me. That's sheker, it's a lie, it's arrogance. And humility is a very clear understanding. And recognizing the talents that Hashem gave me, recognizing my abilities, and recognizing Hashem gifted me with this capacity to work. And Hashem allowed me to put in the hard work. And Hashem made it successful. And Hashem arranged for this one to this one. There's so much that happened. It's incredible. I'm so grateful and the more my success, the more my appreciation, and the more my humility. Because I'm clear-headed, and I'm able to see I didn't make the crane, 
I didn't bring about the situation. I didn't make the world. You see, the world is afraid to be humble because they don't understand humility. Humility is not thinking of yourself as a nothing. Humility is thinking of yourself as a creation, as a nivra. Hashem made me. I'm but a humble, simple person. But I was gifted with this crane. And what this crane can accomplish is incredible. What this crane can do is beyond description. So I'm worthy of honor and praise? No. I'm a little guy inside. And the reason why the average person has great difficulty understanding humility is because we want to be successful. We want to do things. Well, you should. And Hashem gave you all the talents. Hashem gave you talents to do and accomplish, and you have to use them, and you have to seize the moment. And you also have to recognize that you are a creation. When you keep those two things in balance, you have a humble sense of, I am the creation. And to me, no credit and praise is due. I am but a nivra. I'm living in Hashem's world, so I'm worthless, I'm useless. No, I can accomplish tremendous things. I can build, I can do, I can change myself, change the people around me, and I have to use tremendous energy. And I have to take massive and immediate action. And all the while I have to recognize that my success and everything that I am comes from Hashem. Humility is not delusion. Humility is not thinking of yourself as nothing. Humility is recognizing that it's a gift from Hashem. You see, if you take the biggest Balgaiva in the world, they sell themselves short. The biggest arrogant person in the world doesn't understand is important. And you're far more important than the biggest Balgaiva in the world can imagine. Because you and I were created in the image of Hashem. That's a Mishnah in Sanhedrin. And Mishnah says, Chayev Adam Lomer, a person's obligated to say the words, Bishvili Nivra Olam. For me and me alone, Hashem would have created the world. See, the Mishnah explains, why did Hashem create one man? And why did Hashem create 600,000 men at Har Sinai? That's the purpose of creation, for the Kalei to receive the Torah. And why did Hashem make one man and one woman? So that every human being should look back on that and say, I get it. Hashem saw fit to create an entire cosmos, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything for one man. And the Mishnah goes on to say, and I'm obligated to recognize that I too am a man. And as Hashem created the entire world for Adam Arishan, Hashem would have made the entire world for me alone. So I'm important, worthy of praise, ha ha ha, look at me. Wrong. I didn't make me. I didn't make the world. I can do tremendous things. But I'm Joe the crane operator. The crane that I operate is huge. And what it can do is amazing. And when I walk in the room, it should be given honor. Honor of a person created in the image of Hashem. Honor of a person for which Hashem says I would have created the entire world. But as I look at myself that way, I view you the same way. And explains Ravar and Cutler, that's ultimately the question. What brings you to your sense of greatness? If it's arrogance, I'm great and you're not. If it's godless Sodom, if it's the greatness of human being, and then I look at myself as great. Look at myself, created an image of Hashem, but I see you. Oh my God, also created an image of Hashem. The honor due to a person created an image of Hashem is unimaginable. And I bow down with deference and tremendous honor for that person. When you understand humility, you recognize it's not a lack of success. And it's not a lack of talent. If you look at another human being and say, they're so talented and I'm a nobody and nothing, and you're misunderstanding who you are. It's like the two horses. When I'm riding a thoroughbred and I look at your horse and say, oh my goodness, your horse is, is a powerful, powerful horse and mine is nothing, I'm misunderstanding. That's a self-image that's skewed, that's way off. 
If I look at myself and say, I'm a racer, look at me how fast I go, look how powerful I am, then I'm an arrogant buffoon because I'm not the horse. And recognizing that I was gifted, I was granted tremendous talents and abilities, but it's all a gift from Hashem, and that is the basis of humility. And humility is a recognition that I am but the little guy inside, I'm not worthy of praise. All arrogance is based on a lie. The lie is taking credit for something that someone else did. Either taking credit for Hashem's gifts, taking credit for other people's work. At the end of the day, it's all sheker. Emes, truth, is humility. And I'd like to close this session with one very important observation. At the very end of the Torah, we're told the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. Lokam novi od b'Yisrael k'Moshe, there never was and never will be again a Novi like Moshe in Yisrael. Hashem Panim Panim spoke to Hashem fully alert, fully acute, completely conscious. But not just that, what he did. All of the wonders and all of the tremendous things that he did to take the Menesha out of Mitzrayim. And for all of the might, and all of the wonders that Moshe did to the eyes of Yisrael. And you look at Rashi on the very last passage in the Torah, Rashi explains what is the wonder, and what is that tremendous action that Moshe did in front of the eyes of all the Bnei Yisrael? Rashi explains he broke the luchos. Moshe Bnei went up to Shemayim, came down, and found the Jewish people serving of Zorah, he takes the luchos and he breaks them at the foot of the mountain and he goes down. Explains Gemara, after he broke them, Hashem said, Hashem says, very good, you did right, you broke them. Meaning he did it on his own. He saw the Klaesol sinning and he realized they needed action. He took the luchos and he broke them and that is the tremendous action. That is the wonder that Moshe Benu did at the end of his life. Now let's put this into perspective for a minute. If you would like to understand this action, imagine the following. Imagine you're on a shul Friday night, and the people are talking, and the rabbi gets up and says, Stop it! This Lush and Hora, this talking in shul, it's, ter- it's, it's horrendous! He goes to the Aaron Kodesh, he takes the Sefer Torah and says, You know how bad this stuff is? This is as bad as taking a Torah and throwing it on the floor, and he throws down a Torah on the floor. Oh my goodness. Be aghast. Let's make it better. The rabbi gets so furious, he says, I'm going to burn down the building, and he burns down the entire shul. Oh my goodness, what are you doing, rabbi? What are you doing? Moshe Benu did not throw a Torah on the floor. Moshe Benu did not burn down the building. And Moshe Benu took the holiest object in creation, that's the luchos that Hashem wrote with his own hand, and Moshe Benu broke it. It was not his property. It was not his object. Hashem gave it to him to be a bris between Hashem and the Klaisel, and he destroyed it. Sir, what are you doing? Ask permission. Give it back to your owner. What are you breaking it for? Would you like to understand what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing? <clears throat> Moshe Rabbeinu was given the position of leader, and he recognizes that immediate and immense action needed to be taken right now. Something had to stop what was happening. And what it required was breaking of the luchos. And he had the authority and the position to do it because that's what Hashem invested him with and that's exactly what he did. He acted in the most bold manner imaginable, taking the holiest object in creation and destroying it because it's what was called for and what was needed. 
and Moshe Rabbeinu was the most humble man who ever lived. Vaish Moshe Anov Maod Mikola Adam Asher Alpne Adama. There never was nor ever will be a man as humble as Moshe. Well, humble man, <clears throat> breaking Hashem's luchos, standing up there bold and brave? Yes. Because <clears throat> humility doesn't mean being meek and timid. Humility doesn't mean being, I can't, who am I? How to go? You're a leader, you have to stand up and be bold, you have to take brave action, and you have to seize the moment. Humility isn't being timid, humility is recognizing that it's all from Hashem. All the talent, all the abilities. I'm Joe the crane operator. I'm just a guy moving the levers. But I was put into this position, and this crane is mighty. What it could do is amazing. What it could do is a, is a tremendous, and I have to use it. And when I use it, I recognize that it's a gift from Hashem. Hashem gave me this crane. Hashem put me in this position. I have to seize the moment. If I do right and I do accomplish, I'm given credit for it. But at the end of the day, there's no honor due to me. And this great dichotomy is exactly how a person remains humble. Recognizing his strengths, recognizing his talents, recognizing that it's all from Hashem allows a person to accomplish, to do, and not be arrogant. But attaining this requires a tremendous amount of perspective and a tremendous amount of work. And Amir Hashem, as we go through the rest of the series, we're going to deal with these concepts and how to apply them.